0: Good morning, church. Morning, morning. Firstly, um, apologies for the heat here. We don't have as much electricity, that's why the is is out, to subside, but we've got power, amen? Yes. We've got God's power in this house, but uh, just, just now we'll open the doors as soon as the offering has been taken up. Secondly, I want to welcome you if you're a visitor. We're not going to give you anything right now because the ushers are taking up the offering, but we just want to say we are so glad that you're here, and we want to invite you straight off to the service as you head out, swing a tight left, we've got a guest lounge for you, love to meet with you, pray for you, hear your story, tell you a bit about our story, but we do want to celebrate you right now, so if you wouldn't mind just lifting up your hand if you're here for the first time, and we just want to celebrate and honor you, here for the first time, great to have you, come on church, thank you for being with us. Whether you are, are looking for a church or you're from a church and just visiting, we just say, may the Lord meet with you today and may the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you for being with us. We are in week two on a series called Amazing Grace. I think we're going to go for four weeks. And um, what we learned last week is just so beautiful that grace is the undeserved, the unmerited, and the unearned kindness and favor. Of God towards us and it is by grace that we're justified we all need more grace in our lives and I read to you Romans chapter 5 it says this therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of his glory It's because of grace that we stand. It's because of grace that we can enter in. Now, today we're going to look at how grace transforms us, how grace takes us from being a peon to a prince. Okay, so in computer geek speak, who knows what a peon is? Okay, it's the opposite of a super user. Okay, it's like you have no rights whatsoever within the computer system. Okay, that's what a peon is. But it's got another meaning as well. A peon is somebody who is like a forced laborer. You're not a free laborer. You're a serf. You're under servitude. And God wants to take you and I from being peons to becoming princes, to becoming princesses. And, and you know what a prince or a princess is? It's someone who is a, is a son or a daughter of the Most High. It's someone who has closeness with the king. It is someone who has intimacy with the king. It is someone who has an inheritance and right of access and a great inheritance. And so we're going to look today at the life of Jacob, how he was transformed from a a forced laborer into a prince. Now, the story was that Isaac and Rebecca fell in love, and she fell pregnant. Twins. Not identical Twins. And the firstborn was rugged, he was red. Now in those days it seems like red, and and we understand that fashions and body styles and body shapes and hair, that all changes, okay? There's no like preferred anything, okay? But it seems like from the description of David and and from from Song of Songs that red was like the color of the day, okay? And not just red, he was also hairy. I don't know what you think about red and hairy, (laughs) But that was what was in vogue in those particular days. So, so the eldest, Esau, he's red and he's hairy and he's a man's man and he is loved by the father and he loves the outdoors. Jacob, the second born, he's born coming out holding on to his brother's foot. Okay? So they give him this, this terrible name. They call him Jacob, which literally means heel grabber. Okay? He's grabbing the heel, which means in Hebrew terms, He's the operator, okay? He's the thief, okay? How would you like to be born and your parents call you loser, <laughs> okay? Or thief, or crook? This is Jacob. And, and worse than that, whereas his brothers, first team rugby, first team cricket, all these things, Jacob is a nerd before nerdiness became popular, <laughs> okay? And, and his father loves his older brother, so he's second, he's not, exper- he's not expecting the birthright, he's not expecting the inheritance, and uh, he's not the beloved son. I don't know about you, I felt like that growing up, and I can, you know, maybe you can pray for me or give me a hug afterwards if you want to, okay? <laughs> but of my four siblings, I can give a good account. I felt like I was the bottom of the totem pole, you know? So let's pick up the story. The boys grew up, and Esau, okay, he's the hairy, redhead rugby player, became a skillful hunter and the man of the open country while well, Jacob was content to stay home amongst the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, he enjoyed kudu, all right? <laughs> he loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, making a big course, okay, good curry, Esau comes in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. And so he enters into this negotiation. Esau is weak. okay. Esau is starving. Esau is famished. And Jacob, in his evil desires, takes advantage of him. You know, some things are legal, but they're just not right. Sometimes you can do things and you can you can protect yourself, you can justify yourself, but they are so far away from the spirit of Jesus. If you are living your life saying, you know what, I'm not criminal, just (laughs) I'm just not criminal, you know, I'm justified in how I treat my partners, how I treat my children, how I treat my wife and you are playing the justifying game, you are moving in the spirit of the Pharisees because they tried to push the boundaries as much as they possibly could without stepping across the boundaries. And, and this is what Jacob does. Technically, he's correct, but he's so wrong. What did Jesus say? The, the law and the prophets is fulfilled in this commandment. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Have you ever been done in by people when you're weak? Okay. You come to do a transaction, and because they see that you are weak, they do you in. This is what Jacob does to his brother. And so his brother is an enemy. Let me tell you about a terrible deal that was done. Sorry, that tick, tick, tick is sometimes we just tick the boxes that we are, we are right, but actually we are so far away from what the Spirit of God says. So Here's a deal that the West Indies Company did. There was a guy called Peter Midnight, the governor of the West Indies Company for Holland, did with the Lenape Indians in New York. They negotiated to buy the whole of Manhattan Island for the equivalent of $1,000 back in 1626. Today, just the land value, let alone the buildings, just the land value, they reckon... Manhattan Island is worth $1.74 There's even an argument that the Lenape Indians didn't understand selling land. They th- saw land like water and air, that you can all have rights to use it, but there's no such thing as selling land. You know, I remember once um, when, I was bus- when I was in business, and uh, we had a company and then another company, and then we're doing a deal and bringing in a third company, and there was parties A, B, C, and D. And I was telling Nicola about the dilution and the share deal and whatever. And Nicola, I I really thought she wasn't listening. And she says to me, so you're telling me that you're going to do in party D. (laughs) The net result of this is that person D is done in. And I was going like, I never saw that. You're right. We're not going to do the deal. We can't be people that skate so close against the grain. That although we are legally in the right, although we are technically in the right, we are so far away from the spirit of Jesus. This is what Jacob does. And having begun this path, he continues. So act two, Jacob moves further down the track. He moves into deception and crookery. He hears that his father has called his older brother in and said, go get me a kudu, cook it up the way I like it, and then I'm going to lay hands on you and give you the blessing, which was the big deal. So his brother Esau is gone. And while his brother's Esau gone, he grabs two goats. He dresses them up as if they're kudu. We don't know if it was kudu. <laughs> and then he comes in and he puts fur, goat fur, all over him. He comes in disguise. And his father says to him, Who is it? And he lies. And he says, I am Esau, your firstborn. Give me your blessing. His father's not convinced. He says, Come near so I can touch you, my son to know whether you really are my son, Esau, or not. The voice is the voice of Jacob. Then he feels, he says, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Are you really my son, Esau? And he says, I am. Don't put up your hand. How many of you have ever lied? <laughs> it's probably like 99% of you, and, and just not my wife and Pastor Si that have never lied. You know. <laughs> Jacob is so far from grace, okay? He is sinning, and the wages of sin is death. And, you're to, and you see later on how it comes upon him. And all of us deserve judgment outside of grace. And so he steals this birthright, and his brother is murderous. Now, there's been many great deceptions and cons, and probably the biggest is a nation against a nation. But here, let me tell you about one Individual, and this was an individual against a nation. Saddam Hussein, the day before the coalition invasion into Iraq, he sent three massive trucks to the central bank of Iraq with his son and a handwritten scroll, and he said, fill them up with dollars. Okay? It was nearly a billion dollars, never to be seen again. Okay, Gone. They sent some American troops to, to try to find it, and they found some of the money, and they eventually had to charge 32 American troops who were shoving you know, dollars in their pockets. But before we get too judgmental of Saddam Hussein or the American troops, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. And, and I consider my life, I think of what, what I've done pre-Christ and in Christ. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And and the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we are desperately in need of grace. So that's act one and two of Jacob. Now, act one of God. Jacob flees. He realizes that his life is going to be very short once his father dies. And he's heading towards his uncle. He's fleeing a death camp, and he doesn't know, but he's heading towards a labor camp. And he ends up, he went from Beersheba, heading towards Haran, and he gets to a certain place. It's got no name. He's, in, he's, in, he's nowhere. And he stopped for the night because the sun has set. Just, just feel it. Okay, it's darkness. Okay, there's no like, glow of the city here. It, it's, it's a no-name place, and there's no light. And he takes a stone for a pillow, and he lays down to sleep. You know, all of us, outside of God's grace, are in darkness, with our head on a stone, and we are alone. But God, and God intervenes, and look what happens. He has a dream in which he saw a stairway reaching, resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels ascending and descending. God is making a way. And there alongside him stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land in which you're lying. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Did Jacob deserve this? Jacob didn't deserve this. He's a liar and he's a cheat and he's taken advantage of his brother. And his name means liar, but God. God comes down and he says to him, I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna watch over you and I'm gonna give you this land. I'm gonna bring you back and I'm gonna give you descendants. What is fascinating is Jacob's response. It's at best a level one response to God. They say there's probably a two level response to God. Look at the way he responds. He says to him, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I'll safely return to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that that you give me, I'll give you a tenth. Have you ever negotiated with God? (laughs) God, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. I mean, it's ridiculous. If you give me food and give me clothes and uh, look after me, then you'll be my God, and I'll make this little stone will be your house. Uh, I mean, it's actually so pagan. Later on, we read the story of how Jacob returns and he builds an altar. It was very pagan to say God is going to live in the stone. What is your relationship with God? Is it God, if you answer my questions then you'll be my God? If you'll give me this husband, if you'll give me this wife, if you'll give me this finances, you'll be, with, you'll be my God? Or have you been captured by him? Do you see him for who he is? And do you love him, irrespective of what happens? And so Jacob responds at best with a level one response, and I don't think he, he's got a full revelation of God, so off he goes. And he gets to Laban and, and, and he starts to receive what he had sowed. Okay, he he's done in. He falls in love with this beautiful girl, Rachel, and he works for seven years for her. And then on his wedding night, his father, his father-in-law does him a dirty, and with alcohol and load shedding, he wakes up <laughs> and it's not the woman that he thought. And his father says, Well, that's his father-in-law says, Well, that's just the way it is. It's always the older girl that gets married. So. You've got the older one, now you can have the younger one for another seven years. And so he is done in. 20 years he's there, and eventually he decides to return. And as he's returning, as he's coming close to home, he hears that his brother Esau is coming towards him with 400 men. Okay, he's not feeling good about this. So he does what all great men do. He divides up everything, and he sends the women and children first ahead of him. Ladies first. first. (laughs) He sends everybody ahead of him. Let's pick up the story. This is God, Act 2, the second of two acts. And Jacob is left alone on the far side of the river. And there a man wrestled with him until the breaking of of the day. Now, this man is not man, it is a theophany. It is the Lord Himself, because later on He talks about this is Peniel, this is the face of God. And when He saw, this is the Lord, that He prevailed not against Him, He touched the hollow of His thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as He wrestled with Him. And He said, Let me go for the day breaks. And He said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And He said to Him, What is your name? He's asking him his identity, and he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince have you power with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray your name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him. He Sangha, why not you join me at the front, please? So I don't know if you know this, but Sangha does jujitsu, Okay. And I've got a nickname for him. I call him Ninja, okay? And he's the only person that I do this with in the office, but every now and again, I wrestle with him in the office. Okay, now the first... And he's so much younger and may, maybe stronger than me. Okay, so, so, so we wrestle in the office sometimes just for fun, okay? Not because there's issues. <laughs> now, the first thing you got to know about wrestling, okay, is that you've got to come close, right? God comes close to Jacob. God doesn't play chess. He comes to wrestle. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to deal with him in his strength and deal with him in his fallenness and take it out. So first thing about wrestling is you've got to come close, right? And secondly, you've got to take hold. Okay? Got to take hold, number two. And thirdly, not let go. Okay, so we're wrestling now. You're hurting me. <laughs> Thank you. I've got to do this two more services. God comes to wrestle him. God comes to deal with you, not in your strength, but in your weakness, because God's power is made perfect in our weakness. God's power comes to deal with the stuff that is in Jacob. And Jacob takes the moment to wrestle back and to hold on to God and say to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. And and no longer is he saying, give me food and give me drink. He's no longer being shallow. He is wanting the fullness of God. And what does he want? He says, tell me your name. He wants to know God. He wants relationship with God. No longer is he saying, hey, if you do this for me, then you'll be my God. And if you answer my questions, he's saying, I want to know you for who you are. Tell me your name. And what does God do? God says to him, who are you? What is your name? And his response, I'm Jacob, I'm a deceiver, I'm a heel grabber, I'm a loser. And God's response, no longer will you be Jacob, but you will be called Israel. God gives him, El is is part of God's name, no longer will you be Jacob, but I'm going to give my name to you, and you have become a prince with me. And he's forever changed. And, and this is what God does to us. He comes and by his grace he changes us. He transforms us from being at the bottom a peon and he makes us a prince. He makes us a princess and he comes close to us. Not because we deserve it but because Jesus paid the price. And he gives us relationship. He gives us intimacy. And he gives us identity. He gives us His name. And He gives us an inheritance. Not because of anything that we've done. But only because of what He has done. Because of God's act. Because of Jesus coming down onto this earth. Paying the price. I pray this year that you would not live as a bonded slave. You would not live as a peon but you would live as a prince. You would live as a princess with your identity being established in God, that you would carry his name, that you would be living in close intimacy with God. And if if he needs to wrestle some stuff out of you, that you'd let him. I found this time of prayer and fasting hard. Did anybody else find it hard? I found it hard. I felt like just so much stuff's coming up, you know? In, in my soul. You know? But you know what? When God comes and He puts His hand on things, you know, it's because He loves us. Amen. He wrestles with us to change us so we'll no longer be Jacob, but we'll become Israel. And He comes down in His grace and He gives us an inheritance that lasts for eternity. Our response our response has got to be, Lord, I praise your name. We can't negotiate with God. When I was, um, when I was waiting for my CA results, um, it was a very stressful day. And I remember saying to God, God, if you'll pass, if you'll let me pass, if you'll close the blind eyes, if you'll make this mark change. And I started to negotiate with God. We can't negotiate with God. We can just receive his grace and mercy. Just after New Year, some good friends of ours gave us three days and and two nights holiday in Clarence. And it was like spectacular. And we couldn't repay them. All we could say is thank you, Lord. Well, not thank you, Lord. Well, we did say thank you, Lord. We said thank you to them and we said thank you, Lord. God wants to pour his grace upon you. He wants to bless you with intimacy. He wants to bless you with identity. And he wants to bless you with inheritance. All we need to do is own our stuff. Acknowledge where we are, Jacob. And take hold of God. Can we pray together? Firstly, I want to give an opportunity if, if you are not right with God, if you are in that place of darkness and you need to repent, you know you need to, Your sins are bearing down on you. Understand this. You can never clean up your act. But Jesus paid the price to wash away all your sins. But what is required of you, like Jacob, is to own it and say, this is me. Here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. And then God pours his grace and his mercy upon you and he washes you that's you today you want to make right with god what, what is required of you is, is humility and what is required of you is just to say here i am lord so if that's you want you lift up your hand as a decisive act saying lord i want you lord i repent lord forgive me that you here today just lift up your hand thank you jesus is there anybody who would is spoken to you and you know you need to turn Church, can we all stand together, please? I believe many of us are in a wrestle, and God is the wrestler. And if there's stuff in your life that you are needing the grace of God, you're needing the intervention of God, or well, there's just change that needs to come. You want change. Let's just lift up our hands as we end in prayer together. Lord, as we lift up our hands, we pray, Lord God, come down. Come and deal with us, Lord God, in our sin. And come and deal with us, Lord God, in in our places of strength where we shouldn't be strong. Lord God, your power is made perfect in our weakness. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves and we say, Lord, transform us. Transform us from being Jacob's into Israel's. Transform us into princes and princesses. Lord, that we would walk with you in sweet intimacy, Lord, that you would be our identity, Lord God, and that you would give us the inheritance that comes only from you, not through our striving, but that comes by your grace. We ask this in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen and amen. I thank you.